The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 18 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed on the show are my own and not that of my present or past employers, and I will never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I have been privileged to as a result of my current employment, and I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. So, as always, I want to remind our listeners that you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. So, the Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. Sound familiar? I figured it might. I mean, I go there. I go there all the time. And they have much more than just recaps of the show. They have all kinds of stuff on the site. I mean, they cover all kinds of cybersecurity news. They profile the incident of the week, and they list upcoming events. And got some really cool white papers if you want to check them out. It's just, a, it's just a pretty cool website to see if you're interested in cybersecurity. So the media professionals at Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. So great feedback on Dr. Rebecca Wynn last week. Awesome. I mean, it was an awesome show. I get a lot of texts, get a lot of calls. People hit me up on social media. I mean, they loved it. If you can get a chance to check it out, I highly recommend it. She was really great on the show. She, had, she was very, very articulate. She's very intelligent. Um, I got a lot of texts, like I said. I got a lot of calls. People appreciate how we continue to get the word out on women in cybersecurity. So if you missed it, you can still catch it. Uh, just hit, a, hit us up on one of our playback stations. Now, aside from hearing us on Voice America Business Channel, one of the easiest ways you can listen to playbacks on different episodes of the show is to go to www.taskforce7radio.com and hit the Episodes tab. So you just go taskforce7radio.com, hit that Episodes tab, and once you're there, you can easily scroll through every episode of Task Force 7 Radio that has already been aired live on Voice America. So... It's that easy. It's really easy to navigate. Take a look at our site. You can see our bios of our guests. You can see the bios of our guest hosts. So we're improving it all the time, but it's, it's up and running. Uh, and take a look at it. It's a great place to visit and learn more about Task Force 7 Radio. So don't forget, too, you, for your convenience, you can also find all prior Task Force 7 Radio episodes for playback on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn.com, Stitcher.com, and Player.fm. So we're everywhere. Just Google us, type in Task Force 7 Radio, and all your options are going to come up. It's that easy. So we're getting a lot of play on social media, and I keep mentioning this, and I want to keep mentioning it because we're getting a really good following on social media. So uh, check us out. We're on LinkedIn. You can search at Task Force 7 Radio or on Facebook, Twitter, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio. So if you're a big fan of the show, whether you're on iTunes or just one of our podcast sites, please help to get the word out. Share, share the post. Leave, uh, leave us five stars. Give us reviews. 
uh, help us get the word out uh, to the listenership, which is growing every single day. So we've got a great show for you tonight as we uh, pick up steam going into the new year. We're going to have Rick Garretts on the show for you tonight. Now, Rick is the CEO and founder of Life Journey. Uh, he's got a really, really ultra-cool company because they have a scalable mentorship platform that enables students to test drive their future by experiencing the career journey of some of the world's most successful cyber leaders. So how cool is that? So Life Journey powers the NSA Day of Cyber. So if you're not familiar with it, you know, Google it, look it up. It's the NSA Day of Cyber. They got a really cool video out there. It's a good promo video. It's, it's, it, you know, especially if you're a student, you're going to love it. And, and we're going to have Rick on to talk about the cybersecurity talent crisis and what he's going to help do to solve this problem. And it's a big problem, right? So Rick's a special guy because he's got about 25 years of experience building early-stage technology companies in cybersecurity and media and education. And prior to founding Life Journey, Rick was the president of SafeNet. I think a lot of you probably heard of SafeNet. Yeah, that's right. Rick was, Rick, he was the president of SafeNet. So he's got a lot of great experience. He knows a lot of people. Uh, he's very well accomplished. And so we're going to be having him here on the show. So stay tuned. Rick Garrett's coming up on the second and third segments of the show tonight. So I want to talk about something today. And I'm very passionate about cybersecurity, obviously. That's why I host this show. That's why I started this show. But I want to appeal to all of you about cybersecurity in America today. And I want to talk about America's sense of urgency, or lack thereof, in this case, in my opinion, in cybersecurity. And so this is a global show. So this is, you know, we still speak to a global audience. But specifically, I think some of our global audience will also be interested in what happens in cybersecurity in America. Because commonly... Uh, cybersecurity is led from the American space and other countries look to us for leadership in the cybersecurity space, surely. And we partner with many, many countries around the world who are very advanced in cybersecurity in terms of finding solution sets to mitigate some of our problems. So I want to talk about the sense of urgency, a sense of purpose in cybersecurity in America today. And here's my take on it. Here's my take, folks. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, where is it? I mean, I've been in this business for a long time. I, I just don't see the sense of urgency in garnering and strengthening our cybersecurity defense and death posture. It's in, whether it's in the private sector, in academia, and, and surely not in government. And I'm talking about defensive here now. Maybe more, obviously, offensive capabilities in the, in the government, Sure. Sure. I think we have some significant capabilities there. I mean, do I think we could shut the lights off somewhere if we need to? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you listen to the experts in the space and you look what we've already done and you look what the capabilities are out there in the public realm, I mean, through a combination of simultaneous electromagnetic pulses and cyber attacks, sure, we can t probably take everything down. No lights, no money movement, no nothing. Instant Stone Age, right? Sure, but... We don't want to talk about that. That's not really what we want to talk about. We don't want to talk about things like that. I mean, we can do those things offensively before launching a kinetic attack against an enemy or pose, you know, a, a, a proposed enemy, for instance. But so can other countries. Other countries can do that against us. And that's what we want to focus on. So don't kid yourselves. Other countries have this capability to do this to us. And I think we would have a problem if an adversary decided to launch a cyber attack against our power grid. Hell yeah, you would have a problem. And with that said, I want to talk 
about our defensive posture? Where's the sense of urgency? So the, the internet was not created with security. And I, look, I didn't mean to pick on the, the, the electric grid, right? I, mean, just, I just threw something out there. That could be any critical infrastructure in the United States, right? I mean, any critical, we need to beef up all the critical infrastructures. I just said electrical grid. It could be bio, uh, biochem plants. It could be transportation. It could be uh, finance. It could be anything, right? So I want to talk about that specifically, about our defense in depth. So the Internet was not created with security in mind. So it just wasn't. And it's part of the reason we're having such a big problem today securing our networks. I mean, I want everyone to forget about offensive capabilities here for one second. Forget about it. I just want to talk about defensive posture. I, I do think defense, okay? I know that some of you out there might be saying, oh, this defense and death term again. I mean, it's such an outdated term. I mean, it hasn't worked. And we need to make up some other ridiculous terms so we can make money or it's a new phrase or, or it's a new way of thinking, whatever. I still think defense and death strategies are the way to go. It hasn't worked because collectively we don't have the right strategies in place. And I've seen some pretty strong defense and death strategies that realized greater success than, 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 than other strategies and other defense and death um, models. So there is no single domain in cybersecurity that's going to save us, right? When I say that, when I say there's no one single domain, I mean, for instance, you know, data protection. You know, encrypting all of your data is not going to be the single solution to protecting ourselves. And obviously, if you're a cybersecurity professional, you know this. But for our larger audience out there, understand that there's about a dozen domains in cybersecurity, and each one of them is very, very important. So there's no single domain or single technology solution that is going to protect us all. There's just no magic button, folks. It's just not there. There's an ecosystem out there, and that cybersecurity ecosystem, if you don't know it, if you're not familiar with it, you're going to get beat. You're already dead in the water. It's essential for you to understand how the cybersecurity ecosystem of prevention, detection, response, and recovery works, folks. And you have to strengthen your defenses for each one of these verticals. you got to spend money in each one of the verticals. You can't just pour your money into prevention. That's not the way it works. you got to have a comprehensive cybersecurity strategy, and that's what this country is lacking, a comprehensive cybersecurity strategy that brings us all together so that all of our ships are sailing in the same direction. We're all running full speed ahead on all engines to protect this country, to protect our way of life, so that we can prevent a cyber 9-11 that may have horrific consequences. So complacency is the killer, folks. Complacency is the killer. We need to find a sense of urgency and strengthen our defenses against one of the greatest threats to our national security, or we're going to regret it. Mark my words, we're going to regret it. So out of the private sector and the public sector and academia, probably the private sector, I think, is probably is the most advanced, obviously. I, I think so, at least in my, my humble opinion, but not, not nearly advanced enough. We have a long way to go. I don't think there's anyone in the private sector that would disagree. I think everyone would probably say, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do. There's, no, there's not really a lot of cybersecurity professionals out there that are going to tell you, oh, yeah, we're good to go, man. Cock, lock, and ready to rock. <laughs> I don't think so. So we have 16 critical infrastructures in this country, each has what's called an ISAC, this is an Information Security Analysis Center. <clears throat> Excuse me. These organizations are basically a place where all member companies of the sector come together to share best practices, and they want to protect their people, their assets, their data, 
from both cyber and, and physical threats too. But, but it really, that's really just not enough to solve all the problems in the cybersecurity realm. And it really, quite honestly, it wasn't built to solve all the problems. It was built to, to address one specific issue, information sharing and analysis, right? So it, it just isn't enough. And so these ISACs, you know, they were built, if you're not familiar with them, they, they collect, they analyze, they disseminate actionable threat intelligence, and they provide their company members with tools to mitigate these risks. And they help people enhance their resiliency and so on and so forth. They have a lot of great people there, a great, great people there, trust me. Um, and some of them do a really, really great job. Uh, there, you know, there's about three or four ISACs that are very high functioning and, and, and have come a long way. And a lot of people put a lot of effort into these ISACs to um, make them effective. And they've done a great job to mitigate risk to our critical infrastructure. But the, uh, the majority of them surely aren't mature enough to be truly effective, at least not like some of them, the ones uh, at the top, the three or four at the top that are really uh, functioning uh, pretty well. So I know there are a bunch of other organizations out there too, right? They're, but they're all disparate with different goals and objectives, and, and, and the government really has failed to bring them all together to build some kind of comprehensive strategy. I know we had some things come out recently with the new administration, which is a good start, maybe a good start to a small foundation, but it, we, there's, a lot, there's a lot of work to do. So there are 16 critical infrastructures in the United States, and I think there's about 20 ISACs. And last time I checked on the National Council of ISACs website, there was about 20 there. So, um, so notwithstanding some of the maturity of the ISACs I just spoke about, there are still some problems they don't solve. They don't solve the speed and agility problem. It's just not fast enough, just not flexible enough. They also don't solve the ability for all the security professionals to communicate securely. I mean, I know there's a com- com- encrypted communications platforms out there, but not everyone's on the same platform. Everyone uses a different platform. It's, it's, it's really not organized in a way where we can really communicate very, you know, on the fly. And it does nothing for the talent problem, of course. It wasn't built to do that. Um, we've got a huge talent crisis. You know, we've been talking about it nonstop, pounding that drum. It doesn't do anything to get butts in seats. And it doesn't do anything for to get women in cybersecurity because we're not going to solve the talent problem unless we get women in cybersecurity. And we need to really need to focus on that. It needs to start... We need to get down into the schools. And I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about high school and, and grade school. And, and so no one's, no one's advising academia on how to create cybersecurity degrees with specializations that address the skills gap that everyone's experiencing either. I mean, the curriculums are all over the place. I mean, have you taken a look at them lately? I mean, you, they, some look n- nothing like the other. I mean, they really, I think, need advice and guidance here. A lot of colleges, a lot of universities do. And collectively, there's no voice of cybersecurity. There's no voice of cybersecurity collectively in the United States. There's no central voice of premier cybersecurity professionals that come together from every sector, from every critical infrastructure, not just one, and collectively put their minds together to help formulate strategies and give position statements and be the authority on cybersecurity. You know, according to a recent article, Forbes magazine, there's like 1.5 million jobs uh, that will be empty by 2020. There's 1 million now. We talk about that all the time. We talk about the $120 billion market, and it's going to 175 I guess 175 right now. Now they're saying instead of 200 it's going to go to $230 billion by 2021. There's no credible central platform to go to. There's no central place to exchange best practices, cross-sector. I mean, look, people, one piece of intel can protect an entire country's infrastructure, the entire economy. And it's time for us to get in the fight, folks. It's really time for us to wake up. So I've decided to stop complaining about it and to do something about it. I've created a company, Task Force 7 Technologies, which is the sister company to Task Force 7 Radio, which owns this broadcast, to create the world's premier cybersecurity professional network. Task Force 7 will be the task force of cybersecurity professionals and people who care about cybersecurity across seven continents of the world, hence Task Force 7. And yes, 
even the scientists sitting in research stations in some godforsaken place up in Antarctica, they need cybersecurity too, right? So we're going to try to shoot for all seven continents. So we're going to lead from the top down. I'm going to use my connections and relationships to attract the most prolific cybersecurity professionals in the world to this network, to help build this network, to help advise on this network. And they're going to be on the advisory boards. They're going to be on the board. They're going to be on the advisory boards and to key influential positions in the network. So we want to be the go-to cybersecurity organization across the globe and get some consistency, some standardization. Regarding advisory boards, we're going to do it the right way too. I'm going to have an information security advisory board. I'm going to have a startup board. I'm going to have a social media board. I'm going to create a recruiting board, obviously. And obviously, we're going to, a big one's going to be an education board. It's going to be the best of the best cybersecurity minds in the business. So we're going to be launching the platform this year. I'll keep you posted and I'll keep you updated on when and how you can pre-register for the premier cybersecurity professional network out there because that's what it's going to be. Trust me. And subscriptions for TF7 will be free. I mean, it'll be free to sign up. But if you, if you want to pre-register before the MVP launch, you're going to get a period of free premium subscriptions as an award for pre-registering, and we're still going to work out how we're going to do this. But we're going to solve problems. We're going to have a huge value proposition here. So in short, lots more information to come. Lots and lots. Uh, and lots, lots going on behind the scenes. I don't want to give up too much right now, but it's going to be exciting. You're going to want to be a part of it. I promise you it's going to be worth your time to check it out. Whether you're just interested in cybersecurity or you're a cybersecurity professional, this is going to be a place to be on everything cybersecurity. So this is going to be the year we regain the initiative in cybersecurity. All right, We're going to launch TF7, the premier cybersecurity professional network. Task Force 7, get in the fight. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with the CEO of Life Journey, Rick Garretts, after these short messages. Don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who will be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Reedus. 
If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Ritas. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm here with our special guest, the CEO and founder of Life Journey, Rick Garretts. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to, good to be on. Hey, yeah, it's good to have you. I'm excited about this, this interview. So tell us about Life Journey. This is a really cool company. I want to listeners to hear about this because this is some really cool stuff. Yeah, thank you. So Life Journey is a technology platform that takes the Elon Musk of the, the nation's leading cybersecurity companies. So the, the forensic analysts at, at the National Security Agency, the data scientists at Lockheed Martin, the, the IoT architect at Cisco. And we reverse engineer the journey of the actual person. So they're the soft skills, the hard skills that they developed over their career to become them. And then we create a cloud-based platform that allows uh, any student anywhere, regardless of means, to test drive what their life would be like if they followed their career journey, and then ultimately selecting them as a mentor. So fundamentally, what the technology does is enables a single mentor to mentor you know, one student 100 or 500,000 at scale. So this is a very needed uh, service. For, for especially students. And this is for students. This is for students in college or, uh, you know, master's degrees, graduate students, or, or could you be out of school? Yeah, we, so we started it. We actually aimed it first at high schools and then it quickly grew into, you know, two-year universities and, and, and universities and actually into uh, the professional ranks where people may have been doing another job and then they, they decided that they wanted to get, you know, back into cybersecurity because it's such a a, uh, a fast-growing field. And then, you know, we, we, we actually have a few middle schools that go back as far as grade grade uh, six and seven. So what we intended and what happened were, were a little bit different. Uh, so this is for actually younger kids. Is it, is it in colleges now? Can people, how, who can actually sign up to, for Life Journey? Yeah, so the, the, in, in one of the most popular ones in in the uh, in the market right now is if you go to www NSA Day of Cyber. So the the NSA does a life journey that allows uh, people to test drive what it would be like to to work at the National Security Agency, and they pick six of their top leaders. Where you get to go through a journey, and you're put in a cyber situation, and it allows you to experience the the career of cybersecurity. Yeah. So I, you know, being in, in, in the talent space and, and sort of knowing the, the challenges in, in the market right now in cybersecurity, I know what, I think I know what the drivers are. What were the drivers behind creating this company? I mean, this is, this is like drastically needed in, 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 in this uh, space, especially in cybersecurity and the STEM space. What were your drivers? Yeah, George, it's probably very similar to what you experienced as, you know, as, as executives in, in technology companies, startups and larger companies, you, know, you get to a point in your career and you want to give back. But the problem is, is that mentorship is, is uh, it just doesn't scale. It's really hard to get, to get interns, to get in, you know, into a company. And, you know, you have, you have a family, you have a company, you have employees. So it's really hard for individuals that have, you know, a good heart and really want to give back to do it. So I was teaching a, a entrepreneurship class at Dunbar High School in Baltimore, Maryland. And I had 30 students in the room. 
asked that question that we were all asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, 20, you know, responded, I don't know, had their arms crossed. Um, nine of them, you know, said doctor, lawyer, football player. And one of them came forward and said, it's really hard for us to answer what we want to be when we grow up, when we can't connect what we're learning in the classroom to what we want to be. So in Baltimore, since we're so close to NSA and we have so many of the of the cybersecurity companies in this in this region, it just occurred to me that, you know, how can we have an entire generation of people that don't answer the question, doctor, lawyer, forensic analyst or, or doctor, lawyer, penetration you know, testers. So I, uh, I just wrote a patent uh, called Life Journey, which basically said, why don't we just take the, you know, the Elon Musk, the Peyton Manning of the top companies and, um, and enable via a technology platform an ability for students to experience their future. Because if you get line of sight of what you can be all the way back in high school, it makes, it makes your college major selection more relevant. It makes parents a lot more happier because because there's jobs at the end of the journey. And uh, quite honestly, it creates uh, a direct connection for the teacher to connect what they're learning in the classroom um, and what they're teaching in the classroom, that is, to, to what the student can be. So it seems to me you're overcoming one of the biggest hurdles in mentorship, and that is scale, right? To be able to, be able to scale the mentorships to large uh, groups of people. So... Are, are you automating the mentorship in, in, in this case? Is that, what, is that one of the, the obstacles that you were able to overcome that creates this value? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's, uh, so what we've done is we build a, a technology platform that, that provides a, a digital experience that allows students to select an actual mentor. You know, so they, they get to pick from a variety of different companies from the most iconic brands in the world, and they get to experience what they do on a typical day. They, they're given challenges, you know, hey, grab a picture off of Facebook, see if you can turn it into hex code, see if you can find out where the bad guys stuff the phishing attack. Uh, you, can, you can interact with a, with a team of NSA professionals in a, in a simulated drone attack. And, you know, how do you, how do you make decisions? How do you, how do you uh, problem solve and things like that. So the earlier you can do that, and if you can do it at scale, it allows an individual or a company to take one of their, uh, their, their scientists, their engineers, their uh, cyber people, and make them a role model to 10,000 or 100,000 people at one time. So you said something before that really caught my attention, right? So when I talk to the students, I talk to the kids I'm out in colleges or recruiting, I, I feel like Yes, we're introducing them into a cybersecurity space that they don't know exists, whether it's any, any sort of career in, in the STEM space, uh, to your point, right? But it's actually when they, when they even decide, hey, the, the, cybersecurity is going to be a career for me. I want to go the cybersecurity route. Do people even know what their options are in the cybersecurity job market? I mean, they don't even know how to navigate the market, in my opinion. Do you find the same thing when you're talking to the students? Yeah, and that's actually the first the first challenge, and I think that we do a really good job of solving, is uh, when you say, you know, cybersecurity, everyone knows, depending on what r- report you read, you know, one to two million jobs open. When you, when you actually ask somebody, what is a cyber job? It's really hard for them to answer. So the first thing we do is by taking the actual people that are out there, you know, that do data science, that do uh, cyber risk management, which is a business school thing combined combined with cyber or social media pattern matching. You know how how to uh, 
cyber criminals use social media to, you know, to penetrate networks and so on. So when you think about it, um, cybersecurity has a brand problem because when you think of it as career, most people uh, don't know what it is. So therefore, they, they may not be able to aspire to it by not understanding the definition. Right. By taking you know, yeah. some of the, the top people that are in it and do it, and you know, the people that invented the biometric sensor on the iPhone to you know, uh, you know, some of the star uh, government uh, you know, people that defend our, our nation's networks every day, once you can give them that, that, that experience, almost you know, honey, I shrunk the kids, but for cyber, they then say, wow, <laughs> I now understand why I'm learning computer science or why I'm learning, you know, data science or why, why I'm actually taking a language like Chinese. They're very cool. Very cool. So I, it, they actually get the test drive, the job before they actually do it. Right. What's the feedback on that? What are the, what do the students say when they get a, a test drive, a job for the first time before they actually go out and do it? I mean, that must be quite an experience for someone. Yeah. Well, quite honestly, we didn't know what was going to happen when we, when we uh, built the, the, the life journey called the NSA day of cyber, we launched it, you know, at the cyber Maryland conference and um, three months into it, we were up to over a million signups. And what we do is um, we, we reverse engineer. So we take a, a forensic analyst and we reverse engineer their hard skills and their soft skills. And then we actually, um, connect those skills to what's taught in high schools and colleges, right? So we, we actually do a mapping of connecting what they're experiencing to what they're, the knowledge that they're going to need. And um, so the way it works is they go in, um, they have a mosaic of different cyber careers. They watch a short trailer. Uh, they take a personality test that actually gets compared to the person they selected um, they actually run through an interactive cyber situation. It's kind of like an IMAX movie on your on your computer, but you're making decisions about how you would handle the situation. And then the mentors pop in, sort of like Jack Bauer did on you know 24 on the, in the big command center, and they basically take the student or or the end user all, all the way through the experience. Then all that data is rolled up, and you know they get a uh, um, you know, uh, a certificate. And then if they go forward and actually want to dive into the skills, they can then take it four layers deeper and actually, you know, start to understand all those skills. So we're kind of like a, um, you know, a tapas meal for cyber. And then we take those people and connect them to companies or we connect them to universities, depending on their age. So how do people feel about being mentored from someone they don't even know? I mean, is it seamless? I mean, is, are they comfortable? I mean, you know, what's the, what's the experience like compared to someone like they, like they know personally and they're in the office with them and they're getting sort of that mentorship? I mean, how does this compare? Yeah, I think, I think it's new. I think if, if um, we did this product before there was Twitter and LinkedIn and, and Facebook and so on, it probably w- would, would have been too early. But I think you know, if you think about it, cybersecurity uh, operates on a brand new alphabet. Like when we, you know, George, when you and I grew up, you know, they they taught us to type and taught us, uh, you know, an alphabet. Now the, the the digital alphabet of the world is is how data flows over a network. Um, so what better way than to get taught, you know, uh, in in a digital way? And I think mentorship in general, um, you know, that, I think that's the whole purpose of it is to to actually have somebody that has a skill set and experience that is completely outside of what you're used to. So that's a good point, right? So I feel like, you know, older guys like us, we speak 
English, right? And they feel like the younger folks, they speak digital or even like they speak social, right? And so they're, I think, accustomed to this kind of thing. It's almost natural for them. And I ask, you know, what, uh, what is it about being mentored online that keeps people engaged? I just think that this is the world they live in. I mean, am I right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, what we, we run a program called Cyber IQ. It's basically the IQ test for cyber and digital. So I gave you the example before, um, you know, the, the old model of lecturing to somebody and then, you know, making them remember stuff and then spit it out on a test is gone, right? I mean, no one wants to learn like that. Um, you know, in, in school, they, they uh, call it cheating. In, in the work world, they call it collaboration, right? So, you know, people want to want to learn things on demand. So what we do is we the, the way we do the mentorship is we use real life examples um, and real life experiences where they get to, we, we want to watch what they natively do. We want to understand how they think. We want to understand what Google keyword they search and see how they do it. And then the mentorship is really to guide a thought pattern. Because remember, the neat thing about cyber is it's changing every week and every month. So there is no textbooks, right? I mean, cybersecurity isn't even a curriculum in our nation's high schools right now in 2018. It's right. an after school right. thing. You, you join a competition team, you take a, a certification, but it's really not wired in heavy into a curriculum anywhere. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where, um, the, the, the expertise sits in the heads of these mentors and by extracting that and then creating an experience that someone that motivates someone to want to pursue is, is the whole purpose of life journey. You know, I was watching some of your videos and, and you have said that STEM is an innate capability that lives inside each one of us. Like, what do you mean when you say stuff like that? Yeah. So if you think about, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, which is the uh, the acronym we use for for STEM, is is really what we want when we hire uh, people. Is we want we want them to have STEM attributes. We want them to be able to problem solve. We want them to have equipped themselves with certain tools on on how to solve problems, how to you know reverse engineer things, how to um, to really have the the fortitude. So that so that what I mean by the innate skills is that if you understand Python or if you understand, you know, a data science language like SAS or you understand, you know, how data moves over the Internet or if you you understand that that applies to biology, medical law. There, there isn't an industry in the world right now that doesn't use um, this, you know, STEM skills. So I think STEM, so much of it is understanding you know, how to break down a problem, how to solve it. And then have you taught yourself, you know, that that technology component to be able to automate your thought processes. And I think it's, you know, it's funny, you know, with, with cybersecurity, you know, the, the nonlinear um, thinkers that are not the, the book smart people often end up being right. some of the best cyber people. So we're now in I a agree. world where, where the ones that didn't get the highest grade are now some of the best minds in cyber. I couldn't agree more with that. I couldn't agree more with that. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from Rick Garretts after these brief messages from our sponsors. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who'll be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm back with our guest, the CEO and founder of Life Journey, Rick Garretts. So we were talking about skill sets before. We're talking about innate capabilities and people uh, that, that are in, in the STEM space. And uh, I want to get your opinion on this. What is the most important skill or asset that someone needs to be successful in a cybersecurity career? Yeah, so we break we break those those answers down into two. There's obviously some some technology skills. You need to know how data moves around the internet. You know, you need to understand operating systems. So that we call those you know the hard skills. But probably the most important, I think, skill in cybersecurity is how you problem solve, how you think, and how you you learn and digest knowledge. Because cyber is changing so quickly, and there's there's often a change in, in cybersecurity rules, protocols, and, and problems that you're faced with every day. So I think one of the, the most important skills that, that cybersecurity, successful cybersecurity people have is their, um, their curiosity and their problem solving and their grit, their ability to, to look at what happened in the past and what's happening in the future and being able to problem solve in a way that, that um, is very nonlinear. So the people that are most successful in cybersecurity, the executives, the big STEM leaders, and the other spaces as well, I mean, what type of skills do they have that are most common? What's the most important one for the executives, the people that excel and come up to senior management positions in these spaces? Yeah, you, you, you know, you've, all, you've been in the boardrooms, George. You know how this works is there's, you can have the, the brilliant engineer and the difference between the brilliant engineer and the, the chief security officer is their ability to take you know, complex information, distill it down, you know, list out what the problem sets are, um, 
rally a group of people to do that and then problem solve, right? So that those critical thinking skills are key. Um, their, their ability to, uh, to actually hire and pull a team of people together that have diverse um, thought patterns and, and thinking patterns. And I think also um, their, their ability to, um, uh, to, to problem solve and, and, and collaborate. So if you, if you look at it, if you assume that everybody has, you know, sort of the same understanding of, of how technology works and baseline, it's really those, those what we call soft skills and leadership skills uh, that that do that. It's no different than an you know an entrepreneur that knows how to take a business idea and make a successful startup versus one that doesn't. Right? It's um it's really how you bring a team of uh, people together and understand how to hire very diverse backgrounds and be able to problem solve in a in a very quick and, and rapid way, and then communicate that to a to a board of directors that um that may not be as technical as you are. So I think this is really important because I look at, you know, some of the people that are in our space are technologists. And they do not have the skill sets they need to go into the boardroom. skills to succeed. So I think soft skills are very, very important. Um if how do we how do, how do we get the message across and how do we teach these technologists to have soft skills i mean how, how do you teach persuasion negotiation influence skills communication skills presentation skills it used to be you know it's, if you had a technology degree if you were in computer science you were going to get the job and then those are the people that are in place today things are a lot more complicated than that i mean things are a lot more you need you need to associate you speak the language of the business you need to integrate integrate yourself uh, into the the lines of business and what they do um, how important is it to succeed? I mean, how do we, and how do we teach the kids through men- mentorships? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, the example that I used before with one of the life journeys that we run nationally, which is called the, the NSA day of cyber, you know, one of the targets that we go after is uh, language majors, uh, economics majors, law majors, you know, we don't, you know, the, the technology students that already know technology, um, are already there. The real question is, can you take these liberal arts uh, background people, uh, these these uh, these communicators of language and art and economics, and, you know, do they have the aptitude to pick up some of the technology? But most importantly, the way they, they you know, when someone can read music, does that help you in cybersecurity? So I think what's happening now across the, you know, the, the hiring ranks in, in the government agencies and across corporations, they're realizing that it's not just the technology people that should be in cyber. It's actually people from all the other uh, diverse backgrounds and experiences that you can, you can teach the technology, but they excel in the way that they, they approach a problem and solve a problem. So Rick, how are we going to build the next generation of cybersecurity professionals to win this talent war? I mean, I don't think the corporations get it. The big companies don't get it. I don't think they understand what exactly needs to be done. And I think someone like you and the effort that you're putting forth here with Life Journey is a huge, huge step in that right in, in that direction. What else needs to be done collectively? Well, George, I think what, what you're doing with your with your show here is is a huge step because the first thing is is the awareness. I mean, I think you you mentioned this in the first question is um, you know people need to know that that this is the fastest growing STEM career in the world. So the first thing is is the awareness uh, that it's out there. The next thing is you have to you have to make um, cybersecurity 
something that that people aspire to. And and you know, I always uh, I have one of my favorite slides on my PowerPoint deck is that you know we've 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 passed B to B and B to C. We're now into H to H, right? You're, it's the human to human. Humans need to see other humans doing this. If you ask most. You know, on the on this Super Bowl weekend, if you ask most uh, students to name five quarterbacks in the NFL, they can rattle them off. If you say who are five of our top cybersecurity leaders in the nation, um, it's it's a struggle for them to answer. So we have to create the awareness of of you know who these people are and where they come from and what they do. And um, I think parents have a huge role to play in this because you know. They are the shepherds of, of the journeys of, you know, millions of sons and daughters across uh, across the country and them having an awareness, um, you know, families influence some 80 percent of career decisions. So I think the parents having an awareness that that this is the new space race, you know, um, back when, you know, I was born in the 60s and, you know, back then, you know, we're going to put a man on the moon and the, and the space race was something the entire country was focused on. Cybersecurity is a new space race, um, but it's actually bigger and faster. It's creating such a career opportunity for people. Uh, the government, um, through NIST, has a program uh, that that is called the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education. That that is a you know program to you know designed for that is how do you rapidly create an awareness of of the cybersecurity profession you know across uh, across the country. You know, someone like me, I should know better, but I, I didn't even think about this. I mean, I have a seven-year-old who can probably name the quarterback of every NFL football team, but I don't think you can name one cybersecurity professional. I mean, you know, and shame on me. Uh, well, shame on me for that. Dad. What's that? I said, hopefully they can name their dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yes, well, yes they can. So maybe one, <laughs> one <laughs> person. I mean, that's it, you know, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, gotta, I guess I got to do better on that. So uh, note to self. So, look, I mean, I've had some shows recently. We've had, we have had a few shows on talent, actually. We've had some great, great guests come in. And some of the things we talk about is women in technology. Now, there's only a, approximately, and I get numbers from anywhere 10 to 14%, but let's just call it 11. There's approximately 11% of the cybersecurity workforce is women. And so, what about women in cybersecurity and, and the STEM space? Do we have to do something different to attract them? Because right now, we're not doing a great job, and it's, it's just getting worse. What do we need to do differently? Yeah, I mean, so our, our approach is this um, is is that if you if you create um, women mentors in cybersecurity and show um, girls in middle school and high school and community college and college, right, that um, here are the you know the rock stars of the space, right? Here are the ones that are doing it. Here's what you need to know. Um, I think you'll start to do that. We just you know we just ran this um, with the program that we run here in the U.S. and we have. There's six mentors, three of them are women, and um, and we have about 48% of our total user base at Life Journey now that, that are women. So, so you have to start, you know, on things like Life Journey's doing, but you also have to, um, you have to create role models so women want to do that. And it's interesting because when you start to look at, you know, the types of jobs, just for sake of argument, say that there's 100 types of cybersecurity jobs you know, do uh, do women have a, a deeper interest in data science? Do they have a deeper interest in the social side? Do they have a deeper interest in you know the the uh, the financial risk of cyber? Um, and then you know, then you have a lot of um, you know cause based um, mechanisms and, and careers too that that in, that involve cybersecurity. So I, I think I think we're just now at the point where 
understanding what this is and being able to 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 have a, a role model uh, that you can say, "Wow, that's who I want to be," is um, is where we are. But I, I do I do I am starting to see many many companies, you know, spend dollars and be very very focused, you know, on 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 changing the uh, the tide on on women in cyber. So you have a lot of experience helping people learn how to build the businesses. And so I, I want to get your opinion about what kind of advice you have for entrepreneurs trying to raise capital for cybersecurity startups. I mean, what about pitching venture venture capital firms for capital? What kind of advice do you have for, for people doing that? Well, I think, I think the, the success to, to pitching venture capitalists, uh, you know, startup companies is the, the preparation you do to make sure you have a, a product and a business model that is um, that has scale and that can make a big impact because venture capitalists want to invest in things that 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 can provide you know great returns and, and that can change the world. So I think the biggest mistake you know early stage companies do is is go and pitch it before they're ready. And um, so I think that preparation of understanding uh, and, and just you know really building a really good business model based on um, a really good idea with a really good execution plan is the key. Um, the neat thing about entrepreneurs is they, um, you know, that's what makes America, America. Um, they will take an idea and move it. And I think the process of, um, of being able to, you know, really knock out the, the four M's of, you know, of to build this, you know, what is, what is the idea? What is the money you need? What's the, you know, and then and what's the management team and the advisors and the mentors, so I think that prep um, before they just run out and do the pitch is is everything. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs get frustrated when they're you know when they're pitching when they're raising. I, I know this you know one entrepreneur always tells me is I'm always raising, always be raising. That's what he, yeah. that's what he says because it's constant rejection, right? I mean, how often do they get told no before they actually find someone that'll invest in their company? On average, what, how how many times does it take? Yeah, it takes a lot. I mean, I, I, I think from the first time you do it, um, you know, you're you're uh, you know, you kind of have friends and family do it. But when you're when you're at a leg, you know, a, a caliber venture people and it's no different than someone coming to you and ask you to write, you know, part of your savings account into to a company. If it's um, the first thing is, is, is it, you know, is the idea just really clear and simple and, and it understands value? And then secondly, do you have, you know, the, the, the team to pull it off and then. Third, do, you, do they have the execution plan um, to get it done? But I think if you nail those three things um, and it's and, and it has legs, um, you'll do that. I think you know um, that is that's that's part of you know the entrepreneurial spirit. The neat thing about cyber right now is is that you still have this wild west. There's still bad guys are still doing all crazy things, and and it's not a uh, it's not a mature market. I think we're only you know only in the beginning of what's going to be invested from a venture standpoint. So, I mean, when cybersecurity startups get funds in, in, in the seed round, right, what, how long do you think it, they should plan before they have to get an A round? I mean, I'm told it's two years. I'm told get enough money for two years. And then after 18 months, you start looking for your A round investor. And after 24 months, you should have your A round investor. So the, the initial fund should get you to the 24-month mark. I mean, I hear all kinds of different things, but I just wanted to get your opinion on you know, how people should be planning that out. Well, I don't think it's a standard time. I think I think um, the the top venture firms and, and top investors in general is that um, I think all investors know when an entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurial you know group comes to them 
and they and they actually give them a seed round. They're basically betting on the idea that they can they can get traction in one or two of the three areas that they're pursuing. If they get that traction and they're able to prove it with that seed round money, I don't think it's a, a, a calendar time. I think it's um, it's it's just you know proof of traction, right? Because at that point, at the at the seed round, you're just trying to prove that you can do it and somebody will buy it. So the faster you can get, you know, one or two or three companies to, um, you know, to say I'm willing to pilot this and, and move it in as fast as possible. And then if you're if you're really good and you've picked a, a solution that that um, is really compelling. Um, I, I think the, the the A round and the B round comes a lot faster because because, because venture people are going to invest in things you know in things they think are going to scale and move and solve the biggest problems in cyber. So you mentioned before that there's tons of money coming into the cybersecurity space. I think there's still a ton of deal flow, right? I mean, there's tons of deals getting done. I don't see a lot of companies with an exit plan to help their initial investors get their money back. So if you look at PitchBook, if you look at some of the, you know, look at some of the companies that are being sold or, or having an exit plan, there's really not a lot compared to the amount of companies out there. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. He said there were 6,000 startups out there. Now, I, I don't know where he got that number. and I don't know how, how true it is, but 6,000 is a big number. So, you know, it, it, what's the deal with that? I mean, what's your opinion on the deal flow? Will it continue um, even though our, our investors going to start to become more wary because you know a lot of cybersecurity companies aren't successful in this space, quite quite frankly. I mean, what do you think? Well, there's two swim lanes. I mean, I uh, so back in in right around 1999, 2000, I was at you know the the RSA conference, and I, I, I think there was 40, 40 booths or maybe fifty or sixty. I don't know. It was a, some little amount. If you if you if you view the RSA conference as a as an economic indicator, right? I think, you know, you're now at 40, 50,000 people, right? And, you know, two Moscone Center halls full of, of exhibitors. Um, that means that there's a lot of money being poured into startup companies and a lot of, you know, and keep in mind, it's not just external venture. I mean, think about all the big behemoth companies that are spending their own cash, right? You know, we, we saw, you know, uh, a, a Singapore telco, right? Um, uh, the, you know, with 650 million subscribers uh, and Singtel by Trustwave for a little bit under a billion dollars, you know, Australian. I mean, you you have, um, it's not just venture money, but it's also corporate money, right? So, you know, you're. I, I think what's happening now is two things is one, you are going to see consolidation in some of the over-invested areas, right? You know, there's there's some areas of cyber that got over-invested. But remember that these entrepreneurs are now smarter and quicker, and they evolve very quickly. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurism. And they'll turn around and go back to their venture guys and say, okay, I was wrong on this, but I was right on this, and let's go after that. And sometimes those B rounds um, are not directly connected to what they originally got the seed round on. So essentially, there's so many problems to solve that the deal flow is going to continue, in your opinion. It's not going to stop. I mean, there's too many problems, right? It's going to keep going. And now now you have AI. I mean, think about what AI is going to do to cyber. You're now going to have code writing code. Well, who? what startup company is going to write the cybersecurity AI defender that, that, you know, Elon Musk is worried about right now? And, um, you know, then you move into autonomous vehicles, right? And you, you you move into all these different areas. Um, I, I was just out in California on a, on a SpaceX tour, and there's so many things that require protection 
by some of the most brilliant minds. And, and, you know, the beauty of, you know, entrepreneurs is if they see an opportunity, um, they'll have to figure out, you know, how to solve it. So we've run out of time, Rick. I mean, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your perspective on things. Life Journey sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. What's your website? What's yeah, the Life so Journey website? Yeah, so it's uh, the, the cybersecurity one is www.nsa.dayofcyber and then and then lifejourney.us. So that's that's uh, how they can do it. So if you have a son or a daughter and um, or somebody in, in college, have them go on. It's free and uh, they can take a run and test drive their future. So I, I appreciate you having me on, George. Oh, I, I appreciate you coming on. I want to have you back. I want to have you, you back. Be my pleasure. Right. I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to read a recap of tonight's show and get other cybersecurity breaking news at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 